Welcome to the Prison Mindfulness Podcast, presented by the Prison Mindfulness Institute. In this podcast, we'll be talking with experts in the fields of prison mindfulness and prison dharma, discussing their transformative work in prisons and jails. Welcome to the Prison Mindful Summit. I'm happy to be here with uh, Venerable D. Venerable D. Hong is the co-founder of the Engaged Buddhist Alliance since 2013. He has volunteered in several California state prisons teaching Buddhist psychology and mindfulness meditation, as well as conducting day-long meditation retreats. He has corresponded with incarcerated individuals out of states offering a correspondence course on Buddhism and meditation. He has been ordained as a bhikkhu in the Chan Zen tradition in 2006, in the Theravada tradition under Sayadaw Kipopano in 2014. He holds an MA and PhD in Buddhist studies from the University of the West in 2010 and 14, respectively. The topic of his dissertation is development of Buddhist repentance in early medieval China. Wow. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks. So you've been doing this work. How long have you been working? You want to tell us about your work in prisons and how long you've been doing it and what you what you do in the classes? Sure. Um, yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I have been doing this since the June of 2013, so it has been nine years. And at first, I started with one prison, which is, which is Chakawala um, Valley State Prison in Blythe. It's 20 miles from Arizona. Okay. And at first, you know, the idea that we had was just that, you know, we were going to teach Buddhism. <laughs> but, but the problem is you know, with Buddhism, like, you can't just teach. You have to have the, the student, they have to have a certain level of education. And as we all know that the incarcerated population, for most, for the most part, most of them, their reading comprehension level is only sixth grade. Yeah. You know, so we end up scrapping that, <laughs> the idea. And uh, we just usually in each visit, uh, I would just give a short talk on the topic. Let's say what is feeling or what is emotion and how do you express that? I usually would give them handouts just because I like to limit the time that I talk to probably 15 minutes or less. And then we would meditate uh, around half an hour. And then, yeah, at least. And then um, the rest of the time, about another half hour, I would let the, the men or the women to share their practice or we would have Q&A. Um, so, and then that's what happened. And we, I end up going from one prison to six or seven at one point, And wow. now I'm at five. <laughs> wow. So do you go weekly to the class? Yes. Um, so right now, every Monday, I go to the men's prison, which is in Chino in the morning from 11 to 1230. And then I would just drive over to the women's uh, prison, which is right like five miles away. Uh, I have two groups at Chino's Women Prison. The 1 p.m. to 3 is for senior citizens over 65. And then I would drive to uh, Starbucks to take a break and then come back at 5.30 to 7.30 for the evening group, uh, which is, you know, I mean, most are under 65. And every Tuesday, I go to Lancaster State Prison, which is about 80 miles each way. Wow. And on the third weekend, 
that's when I drive to Chakawala, drive to Blythe. That's where I visit Chakawala and Anwood. Wow. I hope they don't lock down when you drive all the way over there, but I know uh, that happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens more than, you know, I would like. But usually, luckily with Blythe, uh, we, I coordinate. So even if they, ha- now with COVID, they may close one or two yards. But I still am able to go to the other two yards, the other one or two yards that are open. Do you notice any differences between the men and women um, incarcerated peoples and um, what they want to focus on or what they're able to focus on? Um, I think the in terms of the stress is basically pretty similar. You know, the stress from within, basically, their childhood traumas or their traumas when they were in a marriage, especially for women, mm-hmm. um, and the stress from within prison, even on a daily basis, it can be traumatic. So um, the what helps is for them to be able to sit through and be present with what's going on in their mind. And yeah, and and that can help them to deal with or overcome the hurdles. And and, uh, if I may add, since the pandemic, I came back and sometimes the number, our numbers uh, were, uh, last year, the number of participants were less. So I was able to meditate with them for an hour in each session. Yeah, we, we we usually have two hours in each visit. Wow. Yeah, so even with the senior citizens, you know, we sit on those, you know, lousy chairs, like either plastic or aluminum. They were hard. But even with the ladies, the ones over 65, I, uh, we meditate for an hour. But with, but with them, I break it down to two sessions, you know, 30 minutes. And then we would take a break for them to stretch. And then we meditate for another half hour with, the men and the women, the other, anyone over under 65, we, we sit through for uh, an hour. So, I, you know, you said in your, um, in what you said to us in the email, you said that um, you wanted to talk about the traumas of the incarcerated. How does that, how does being trauma informed inform your teaching to people? Okay. So here, uh, the, I, I was born and raised in Vietnam. And I was physically and emotionally abused by my parents. And my dad was the worst. My mom did a little bit, but my dad was the worst. And so, uh, and I suppressed them. You know, this is what we call in psychology, we call dissociation, right? Because you need to survive. So when I started the prison in 2013, and um, from the stories that uh, a lot of them, you know, told me in, in private or in a group, and I was able to relate to the issue, the, the, the traumas, you know. And um, so what I am doing is that in some of the topics, you know, even it doesn't have to be Buddhism, right? We are dealing with human psychology. We are dealing with stress and suffering and traumas. Um, I would uh, say, hey, let's focus on your thoughts, right? Uh, or focus on um, just be present with your thoughts or your feelings because um, your thoughts are not your uh, are not who you are. Your feelings are not who you are. So with with the meditate with basically we do mindfulness meditation, and 
Um, I would guide them through the whole session usually, and the, usually the last five or 10 minutes, we would sit in silence just so that they can develop a, a habit. And also in order to, for them not to be re-traumatized, I would remind them to say, hey, if you feel overwhelmed or if you uh, feel numb, then you need to stop. And some, it, it does work for, for the most part and they're able to see through what happened to them, which is basically the root causes of their crimes. And, and yeah. So those insights arise in their minds as they sit and settle their minds a little bit. Correct. Yes. Yes. The the insight of you know why they felt angry or why they still feel angry all the time or why they feel depressed or sad or helpless. So with the meditation, with understanding some of the Buddha's teachings, uh, it does help them to have insight into the the cause, the root causes of their traumas. So do you teach, you said you teach mindfulness, do you teach something as, you know, intricate maybe as the four foundations, the mindfulness of the body, Vedna, mindfulness of mind, things like that? Yes, I do. Um, usually we do the mindfulness of the body because that's easy to identify right. for, for almost everyone, right? Like come back to the breath and, and just follow the, the, the in-breath and the out-breath. When, when I would say, guided, explain that, you know, if you feel angry, then your breath is different. When you feel sad, your breath is different. So that, and, and that's one of the steps in the mindfulness of the body. Uh, or, you know, or they can notice the sensations on their body. It would, you know, we do, so we do the body scan each time just so that they can be mindful of any issues. And especially in a stressful environment or in sometimes you know, there could be riot, right? So or when, or when they get yelled at, when they get angry, before they are to react, I would usually tell them, come back to the breath and notice the sensations, the physiological symptoms arising in your body, which is basically how they can express their emotions, which gives them the time to respond or react. Great. So, um, do you, Yana, you teach Brahma Viharas? Yes. yes. And so that, how does that go over? Oh, <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Usually, well, you know, sometimes you want to tell them the, the Brahma Vihara, which is a, tech, a Buddhist technical term, right? So I usually say, hey, let's do the, uh, I mean, in English, we call it the four abodes. Uh, or the four, I call it the four wholesome qualities of the mind. We have a course on that. And usually you, you can't just teach people to be compassionate or to love themselves. Um, it, I usually explain it to them ahead of time, like what loving kindness is, which is basically one's ability to wish to, uh, you know, one wealth and happy. And, and, and from that, understand that when you're not meditating, then know what it means to be healthy, what it means to be happy. So I would, we would sit for about 15, 20 minutes when after the body scan and after the mind is somewhat settled, then I would squeeze in and depending on that day, I would uh, include the loving kindness practice or the compassion or appreciative joy. 
and equanimity. And this, this helped them to understand uh, what they can do to be happy in a way. You know, granted, prison environment is not a place to be happy. But at least for at least for them to get to the point where they are able to overcome all the photos and to be able to find joy from within or a sense of peace and calmness, and especially with equanimity, because as you know, uh, uh, with the pandemic, right, we we can't control anything in, in life anyway. So with equanimity, they're able to let go of what they cannot control and they can focus on what is important for them. So what do you find most challenging to, to work with there? Um, I guess it's, it's we, is it like the getting in and out of the prison or is it, the, you know, how, how are the relations with the staff or? Oh, okay. Oh, the, for the most part, there's the staff, the admin staff or the COs, they are cooperating, um, you know, um, but sometimes the, and the paperwork takes a month to do, right? <laughs> and, and then the, uh, the food, the TV test, and now with the COVID vaccine, which is yeah. for us volunteers, it is required. Yeah. You know, so, so but with that out of the way, um, even sometimes um, when I get inside, um, there isn't a whole lot of difficulties that I face. I mean, the only thing is, let's say that one day they have they are short staffed, and with the pandemic, as we all know, the economies like a lot of people quit their jobs. So currently, with a lot of prisons, they are short staffed. Yeah. So when they're short staffed, I go in. Oh, okay. Well, you can't visit. You can't go to the chapel today. So oh. just go home. But luckily, with the prison at Lancaster, I, I am able to go into the buildings, into where the guys are living and just hang out with them in what we call the day room or just or the living room. Yeah. So in, in a way, the, um, but, but in terms of challenge, especially with the women, it's kind of, it's not hard for me, but it's hard for them to be able to, to face their traumas. Mm-hmm. That, that's the thing that I feel sad in a way, but there isn't a lot that I could do, but, but most of them are willing to come and sit with, with their body, with their mind, and um, they make an effort. And one more thing, at the women's prison, just so you know, um, if you want to get into my group, you have to be on the waiting list, and usually they have to wait for at least six months. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I go every Monday, yeah. Oh, okay. So you yeah. have quite a few people on the waiting list. Yes, yes. a lot. Mm-hmm. And you, you go in under as a Buddhist um, in under the religious services department or something. Um, we go in, we send the chapel, but usually they call our group either self help or self awareness. Okay. So so and and I just want to emphasize that there's nothing religious about the way that I conduct the, my my visit. Uh, I don't have the Buddha. <laughs> I don't have the um, no incense, no oil, no candles, uh, no bowing, no chanting. I do, I do it robes? as a. Hmm? Do you wear robes? This is what I have. Okay, just yeah, kind of, yeah, correct. Yeah. And the yeah, usually I also have the yellow, you know, uh, shirt on. But uh, inside the prison, it's better to be to wear this because most people can easily identify me as a monk. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So the, the only thing that I have is usually I use the charm. And, and if I may just use the sound, uh, strike it. This okay. is what I do. This is what I, the only thing that I have that is, this is not even Buddhist, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, we, well, so your classes sound like they're all voluntary, like people want to come to your class. They haven't been kind of voluntold to go to your class or no, I mean, no. for entertainment factor or something, just get out of the, you know. No, so. No. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, no. My my visit is actually they all volunteer and um, no one is forced, and I never ask anyone to convert. That's not my style. That's not what Buddhism is about. The other thing is just because of the way that I conduct the class, we qualify for what they call rehabilitation credits, which means that if they come to my group for fifty four hours they will be able to have 10 days off their sentence. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. good time thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and most of our classes are like that, too. Correct. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, at Lancaster, because of the number of people in the other religions, so the, the guys were told they can only choose one religion. And I have 15 guys on a regular basis. They, and, and these are not, they are not Buddhists, only one. <laughs> and yeah, only one, but they chose Buddhism. They chose to come every Tuesday. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. And so you do correspondence as well? With yes. I, yes. Um, for, for some, I mean, this will develop out of, you know, at the beginning, yeah. but at the beginning we had this huge book that caused like, tons of money so but because of the level of the education so we trim it down so we break so each course we just based on like one topic such as the vulnerable truth or the brahma vihara or the five aggregates right and 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 or the other one is karma and so i would send this to them and even though our core our programs are not approved or not recognized by california's prison uh, as milestone credit, but I still can issue a chrono for them to be placed in their C file just so that they receive some sort of recognition that they are working on themselves. So they, you send them the materials and then they send you back something that shows their writing? Yeah, they, they, yeah. each course has uh, requires you know four essays, and once they finish, the essays to, to me, you know, send them to me and I will send them the, uh, the chrono and the certificate. So you don't write back and forth and talk to them about their understanding or anything? Do you do that? Oh, it depends. If they have question, you know, if they have question about their practice, uh, yeah, we have a course on mindfulness meditation. If they do, then I would, uh, you know, address their questions or explain it to them. Or if they think, if their thinking is off or the practice is not where it's supposed to be, then I would, uh, you know, explain it to them. So you, you mentioned the five aggregates. <laughs> that's curious to me. So how does how does that land with the, you know, that's sort of a hard topic usually for people on the outside to get that are not Buddhists. So correct. Well, yeah. Well, you know, five the five aggregates is the English term, right? The the five condors or the five scanners. But it just it has to do with the body. And our feelings, uh, our perception, our volition, and our consciousness. So the essay is formatted in, in, in ways that say, hey, 
how do you how do you are able to recognize your behavior? Just that's volition, and that is arising out of the perception or the feeling. So this is how we phrase the essay, just so that they can better understand what's going on with their mind, with their behavior. So you don't go into the not self part of it, the clinging to self. Oh, oh, oh yeah, we do. Actually, yes. that's the uh, that's from the the three marks of existence. Actually, okay. yeah, that's part of the one course. Yeah, we do. But but it's hard to to do it through correspondence, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, we do have the essays and I also develop the, the lectures for them to say, hey, you know, how can you not cling to this body? But like, how, like we shouldn't identify or, or, or think that this body will last forever. Right. So, so that is one way that I explain it to them and provide lectures and notes for them. So you send them audio lectures, or you do you have materials on tablet yet for them? Uh, no, no, we just no. I just sent them books and printed okay. uh, papers. Oh, okay, okay, great, great. Yeah, so that that's a big endeavor, huh? We had a correspondence course for years. It's it's a big endeavor, and so it's yeah. kind of kind of something that people never do anymore. But it's very, very the people in the world of prisons are still doing this in volumes, you know. But nobody else ever writes letters to anyone else. <laughs> That I right. <laughs> yeah. So we get hundreds and hundreds of letters a week here, mm-hmm. you know, for people wanting books. So engaged Buddhist Alliance, what is mm-hmm. what is that about? Oh, well, you know, that's the name that we came up with when we started uh going into prisons. Okay. And uh it's a nonprofit. Uh we were approved uh, you know, for tax exam back by 2014, I think, in, in right. the summer. We have a board of directors, and I'm one of the members. Um, and, and actually, uh, it has been difficult recruiting volunteers. <laughs> it's hard. It has been nine years. Before the pandemic, we had like three, uh, four. Um, you know, but since the pandemic, everyone kind of like busy. Yeah, since last year, I'm the only one that visits oh. uh, the, the five prisons. So what 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 could you say about what inspires you? Uh, let's do a pitch here for you to get some volunteers. What inspires you personally? What do you learn about yourself going in and, you know, interact, teaching people in prisons? How, what what inspires you about these, you know, the people there? Okay, so so here's the thing, right? I I came to Cleveland in November of 1982. I didn't speak ABC, you know, and I yeah, with ten dollars. So um, I started. So what happened was, you know, I spent a year and a half in high school. I went to college and university. I had a uh, bachelor of science in electrical engineer. I had a job, and then I got my Master in electrical engineer, and then I get an MBA. All of all of those were free except the MBA, in which I paid twenty one thousand dollars cash for, it, which was useless. <laughs> anyway, so when, when after I became a monk in two thousand six, I uh, I pursued the MA and PhD in Buddhist studies. Now, my my point in visiting the prison, and actually before that, I was I thought about giving back. And and just because I I have I received so much from America, so when my professor said, "Hey, let's teach Buddhism inside the prison," 
I was only after two meetings. I was only three people. One of the three people signed up for it, and and when my colleague Margaret she said, "Hey, whenever D, you want to go?" I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> uh, so yeah, but what what inspired me to to go is one is to pay back, and uh, and the people, the men and women that came to my visit, they are so sincere. They suffer from, and, and I'm not really like, in a way, you know, be my, I'm being mindful of the victims, right? But I, they suffer from childhood trauma, from physical, uh, uh, emotional, or sexual abuse, or rape, or gang affiliation. And, and so, but they didn't help much help. So that my, and I was able to relate to them and I was able to speak at a level in terms of traumas and I was well received in a way, my message. So um, they were able to continue to come over the years. And that's how I'm able to continue. And mind you that I have not been paid we did receive a grant, a one-year grant at, at Cochrane State Prison and a three-year grant at Lancaster and Pleasant Valley. Other than that, I have not been paid. Much of what I do is pay out of my own expenses. Um, except for the past three or four years, I do receive a donation uh, on a regular basis from a couple of my friends. So for folks out there, understand that Nobody just, wake, just wakes up one day and decides, oh, I'm going to decide to kill somebody or rob the bank. No, it, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it happened over time uh, and it's reasons and causes that led these people to do what they did, but they deserve our help. They deserve our empathy and compassion. Yes, indeed. So what, what advice would you give to people who are maybe interested, but they maybe have some fears or, um, you know, like, why would I want to do that? You know, why would you? Right. Well, you know, uh, here's one thing that they can do. They can explore. Or, I mean, actually, we, according to the stats by CDC, 90 something 60-something, 64% of people suffer some form of ACE, adverse childhood experiences. So that's one thing. Um, and, and the people inside, more than 90%. Now, what they can do is, you know, start to look into, inside themselves, like, what have they suffered from? You know, are they content? Are they happy where they are? And that's usually what trigger or will lead them to think a little bit more about themselves. And also, like, think about, read about traumas, read about how mindfulness meditation or some of the psychology uh, topics that can help, yeah, actually help them and also help the folks inside the prison. And, and if I may say, they are, almost everyone are genuine inside the prison because they want it to change, they want it to go home. And, and so I would say, you know, give it a try. And because these people are worth 
helping. And ultimately, in in California, the cost of incarcerating someone is over a hundred thousand dollars a year. So we can save so much. We not only that we can save life, but we can save so much money that we pay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's really kind of astounding how much money that, you know, putting someone in rehab would be about half that price. Yeah, I'll go to college. I'll go to Stanford, right? Go to college. I, yeah, going to college would be a lot less cheaper than that. $10,000. Yeah. yeah. So um, do you feel that people in there uh, that are in your classes de- develop that sort of path quality that Buddhism, you know, has to offer, that they see this as, even if they're not calling themselves Buddhists, that they can see that they have, a, this would take, Doing these practices would be a path, you know, which I think is helpful rather than just like, oh, here's some breath work, go do, you know, that there's like a whole path that you can integrate into your whole view of life. Correct. I mean, I usually explain to them, you know, look at your spirituality, right? Because the phrase that a lot of folks out here use now, like, oh, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Right. So, so, and I explain to them, you know, you don't have to be a Buddhist. Just as the Dalai Lama said, you know, it, but it can make you a better Christian, a better, uh, you know, a Jewish person. So usually I would expect to them that this is what you can do. You know, you can keep keep your religion, say your prayers, whatever, but you can incorporate the, the mindfulness meditation. The content is basically part of it is also contemplation to look into the root causes of your suffering or even desire. And and one thing that people should know or that you probably know, people who come to my group, most of them are lifers who spend, mm-hmm. who are serving what, 25 to life sentences. And actually I have a lot of LWAP with, who, which is, you know, life without parole. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for them, even it's hard for me, like to tell them to say, stay positive because, Granted, you know, one day they might be uh, pardoned and leave the prison, but that's like when they get to their 50s or 60s. So, but the the teachings of the Buddha can help them to see through what they're suffering and how to deal with it, how to manage it and uh, overcome it and just continue to focus on the self-help class or even education. I have a, a couple, I have at least one person who is serving an LWAP sentence just graduate with a Bachelor of uh, Communication, of, of yeah. Science and Communication from uh, Cal State LA. So uh, yeah, it's hard, but if they can include some of these um, practices, it can help them to deal with it. And actually I also worked with a lot of folks who are out of prison, most of them still include the, uh, the practice just so that they can keep their life in order, so, so that they have, and I told them too, uh, quality uh, of life. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. definitely improve the quality of life. Do you do any, any training of people inside to lead meditations, or do you, you know, teach them any kind of facilitation? I wouldn't mind, but I, could, I told you I couldn't find anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Send me somebody, right? So, okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the hardest thing. I mean, you know, we could we don't we don't we don't do formal fundraising just because we I don't spend that money. I only sp- use it when I stay at the hotel, but I pay for my own gas, my you know my time. 
but uh, it's hard to to find somebody to find people. And the the fact that we don't have an office, an off, you know, a location. Uh, we use the address at the university, and that's it. We use that PO box, but we don't have a location, which makes it even harder for people to come and visit. Right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing. You personally are doing amazing work and so generous in giving back this way and driving all the every week and being very, I'm certain, is very helpful and impacting people's lives to make them so much hap- happier or able to cope at least a little better. So. I really applaud what you're doing. Thank How you. can people get in touch with you if they wanted to volunteer with your project or donate or whatever? What what's we have a website which is engagebuddhistalliance.org. They okay. can check out our website and see what we do. I do have a couple of videos that I also share my insight okay. in in it. And if they feel generous, they can donate or if they would like to volunteer they can send an email or call the number on it and um, I'm more than happy to uh, you know receive and talk to them okay great it was really nice talking to you I'm really glad to meet you and glad to hear about your beautiful program and the wonderful work you're doing thank you thank you thanks for having me appreciate that thank you so much thank you for listening To learn more about PMI and our programs, please visit prisonmindfulness.org. You can also keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.